This is the MLW Radio Network. This is Frontal Material with ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Here is your host, Mike Freeland. I've said this before and I, I mean this. Thank you for all of the iTunes reviews. It definitely helps us climb the iTunes charts. Go over to iTunes, put in front row material, and give us a five-star rating. Leave us some comments. Love to read the comments as well. I recently had a conversation with somebody over DM, and I was always telling people my DMs are always open, and I want to just give a shout-out to somebody who says that they love the show, and it's really helped them through some some tough times. And um, his name is Thomas. And Thomas reached out to me and said, man, you know, sometimes life can be difficult, but I really enjoy listening to the program. It definitely helps put a smile on my face. And Jerry, we've talked about this before. Life's tough, man. And, and it, it, sure it always is. seems like there's something that's going on, whether it's it your in-laws that's why, or work. That's why lately Mikey and I haven't been on together. There's always something going on in life. This is true. Yeah. But, but we... Uh... We love hearing from you guys, and, and that's the whole purpose of doing this thing, you know, that you guys can, for an hour a week, get some level of escapism and, you know, why maybe you're driving to work or home from work, or maybe your kids are at a sporting event and you just pop your headphones in or whatever, but we do legitimately want to thank you. It, it, does, it does mean a lot. And if you want to go a little bit further, you know what I mean? Go over to Pro Wrestling Tees, get yourself a Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn shirt. I mean, I don't know what what you're doing or what you're thinking. It's the Christmas season. What would be better on your significant other or your kids' faces to go ahead and stuff a Jerry Lynn or Mikey Whipwreck t-shirt inside their stocking so when they wake up, they're going to have a piece of wrestling memorabilia and uh, they can wear it and tell all their kids who their favorite wrestler is. Like Mikey's kids, they're all Jerry Lynn fans. Let's be honest here. I mean, we, we've even heard it on the show. Or, you know, get an FRM pod shirt. Or you can get a front row material shirt as well. You know, I would like to just say thank you to everyone for all the well wishes and uh, uh, prayers and everything for after my surgery and stuff. It it really helps. It's been just as much uh, of a physical battle. It's just been it's been just as much as a mental battle. <laughs> this, this is like I said, this first week was a doozy, but yeah, it it helps and. Today was the first day I was able to walk a mile and a half. And so by the time I see the doctor on the four-week follow-up, he wants me walking at least, I think he said, a mile and a half to two miles. So I'm on my way. But I just wanted to thank all the fans for the well wishes and prayers. Everybody's been tremendously supportive, and, and I'm glad you hit on that. A lot of it is psychological. It's between the ears because the pain is temporary, but it's really tough when you're you're a game player, you know, and Jerry loves to be right in there and and to have to sit on the sidelines, man, that's got to be just gnawing at you. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) So we'll we'll get there. It will suck very little in the near future because you will be back and at it. Where's Mikey? You know what? That is a fan-tabulous question. I have no idea. I I, I don't know if he's still recovering from... uh, Wrestlecade, which we were supposed to be getting oh, some, some blockbuster stories. Oh, thank you. Hang on. Hmm? Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. Jerry's getting uh, awesome. room service uh, right now. Yes, I am. Pam brought Whoa. me my, uh, a very nutritious shake. What a good woman right there. 
You know what's really interesting here, and I'm not making fun of this. This is a, a legitimate, uh, I don't know if it's disease or an illness or an affliction. Have you ever heard of gynoclimastia? That's like when men develop boobs, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. I, I dabbled, not me, but I, as a filmmaker, I dabbled in the world of bodybuilding before. And uh, bodybuilders can develop something, and I don't know if wrestlers do as well. But I think it's, it's when you develop breast tissue. But okay. I've heard, you know, several things about it that uh, steroids can cause it, right. uh, alcohol can cause it, okay. smoking pot can cause it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things that can cause it. Well, I got mine from uh, bread, a lot of ice cream, <laughs> a lot of carbs, um, a lot of carbs, and dairy. yeah, dairy. <laughs> yes, I. So I don't, I don't dabble in any of that like cool guy stuff. Mine is. Uh, more of Nabisco related. So, uh, yeah. Is it couch potato related? Uh, you have no idea, my friend. We are spud heaven over here. I'm getting way off topic here, but the, like the 600 pound, we talked about this before, my 600 pound life. Yeah. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. imagine if you knew somebody who, that the wall had to get knocked down to get them out of their home? Like how, how unbelievable that is. Oh, I've wow. known some people, I've wrestled some people that have been pretty big that probably would have to, you forget I wrestled Yokozuna when he was Coquina Maximus. You in did? The AWA. And, yeah. And you can find that match on YouTube, and I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, upload that link as well. In WCW, Nothing to see Jerry. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Just me getting crushed. What was the, the name of the guy? I want to call him Haystacks, but he came to WCW when he was something like the Swamp Monster or Loch Ness. Do you ever remember any. Uh, Meeting him or anything like that? It was a Haystacks. I may uh, have. Haystacks Cajun. Yeah. I may have. He was a big boy. Yeah. Wow. He was a big boy. I don't think he had gynoclimastia, but. And if you have gynoclimastia, (laughs) I'm not making fun of this by any means. I'm just saying you just might want to be consciously aware of it because I feel like, you know, you know, when you're on the borderline of diabetes and you're, you're like pre-diabetes. Well, I think I'm pre-gynoclimastiac. Yeah, I think. Well, when you do have it, if you want to get rid of it, you do have to get surgery. If you have the real one, right? Yeah, yes. Okay, not Nabisco tits like I would have. Right. Okay, I think I would. If yours isn't breast tissue and it's just body fat, you can just get rid of that with diet and exercise. Now, does that mean that you also will begin lactating? I don't think so, no. So it's not the whole package here, so. No, 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 no. You're not getting any milk duck action. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this before we get started. Are you, uh, you in the Christmas spirit? Are you, uh, are you getting ready? Are you hanging any decorations up? Uh, what's, what's actually, yes, I, I haven't been doing decorations because I'm not supposed to lift more than five pounds. Okay. So Pam actually went and put up the tree and decorated and everything. And then. I think for the upstairs, for the, the red room, we got a little four-foot just pop-up tree that's already got lights on it and stuff to put in the window. So. Nice. You ready to get into it? Mm. I suppose. Do you think we should do an open? I think that'd be a good idea. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. My name is Mike Friel. I am hosty. Oh, okay, that was that was terrible. I fucked myself up on that one. <laughs> Let me you start again. I, I, got, I got all excited because I was waiting for you to cut me off, and I just kind of, just kind of put my thumb in my butt. Here we go. Let's try I threw it again. a little swerve in there. You, you did. You swerved me. 
Welcome no, to I another don't episode. Have to. You cut your own self. You cut yourself off, so I don't have to. Go ahead. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland. I am joined by the ECW legend, Mr. Jerry Lynn. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Mikey Whitbrick is not joining us this week, but uh, Jerry, the hardcore icon, is going to take us through the events of this week. We're going to ask him some questions and uh, enlighten you in the world of wrestling. Jerry, are you ready? I am ready. Oh, man. So you got plenty of those candies? and which, which, I, which... I've got to slow down because I've eaten probably a fourth of the bag. I mean, it's not a very big bag, but still. Right. Do you have a favorite holiday candy, by is, the way? Um, the chocolate-covered cherries, but it has to have the liquid, not the white stuff, but the liquid center. The clear what liquid. What do you mean? What do you mean? You don't. Oh, you, it's like a. There's two different thing. brands it's of thicker. the chocolate. Co- yeah. Right. Yeah, one you don't is like just the, the white sauce, and then the other one's the clear liquid. I like you don't like the the, liquid. the jizz. The it kind of looks like uh, that. You had to go there, didn't you? Hey, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. You don't like the the jizz covered cherries, man. It's okay. Uh, oh, man. I just prefer the clear liquid one. That's all. That's fine. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you like, and I respect that. You like your Worthers and your uh, your slippers and your walkers. I like the so, coffee flavored Worthers. Now you're a big coffee drinker in general, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Now the Halifax Matt, the podcast. Uh, producer extraordinary sent me some coffee from Canada, and uh, he did. He sent me some a while back too. His one was called Gale Force or something I, like that. I believe so. Yeah, that was a good one. Fantastic. So we yes. cannot we cannot put him over enough. I tell you, I owe him something. So I might send him something very American, like ketchup or something. I don't know if they have that in his country, but uh, <laughs> maybe not, not. Quite sure. Maybe not. You never know. I might throw in some relish. Am I just gonna? Throw them off there, so to go with their what do you call it, poutine or something like poon, that? Poutine, poutine, uh, yeah, gravy and everything on it. Yeah, yeah, but that, no ketchup. No, I don't think they have it. So I'm going to send it to them, and <laughs> I'm going to send them a glass bottle and a plastic bottle, and just kind of what? One you can squeeze, one you have to hit from the back. So, yes. Yeah, sounds what like my uh, Friday night. Um, are you ready? And uh, I got a couple things here that I want to talk to you about this week. And uh, a lot of things have been going on recently when it comes to the uh, Wednesday night wars. Mm-hmm. So after uh, WWE had uh, less viewership in the first seven weeks, they then rattled off two weeks in a row. But guess what? AEW came back this week and uh, they had 6,000 viewers more. And they took, what is this, week 10? So they are back on top. Let me ask you this. When you when you look at this, the viewerships, and I know ratings is, is kind of a taboo thing nowadays. I mean, it used to be something that was monitored a lot in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, and it seems like it's really kind of dropped off now. But when it comes to the numbers themselves, it's the numbers within the numbers. And it does appear right now that... NXT WWE is is holding the 50 and over crowd white AEW is getting the younger audience. When it comes to a program like like AEW something brand new, you really want to draw in a lot of the young people, am I right? I think you'd want to draw in as many people as you could in every age bracket. Uh Dynamite bounced back in a big way with 851,000 
viewers. That was 28.3% from their 663,000 that was last week. Um, It's really going back and forth between these two shows. And, you know, the one thing I really, really like that I'm seeing with Dynamite is they're really starting to start to tell stories about some of these characters that maybe the general audience is not 100% familiar with. But um, when it when it and I think you know I've I've heard a lot of criticism about it stuff, but you got to figure how long's NXT been on? How many years have they been in in existence? A a quite a while, right? And we just started, right? And so after what just a half dozen shows, I mean, you got people complaining right out of the gate. Who are these people? Well, give it a chance, you know, and. It's just people are are so, uh, what's the word? They want instant gratification in every category possible. Well, you know, some things got to play out. Yeah, that's interesting as well because for as much attention as a, a second company to WWE, you know, competing with them that we've waited for so long – you would think people would be just excited to have something here, but some people have been. Once again, some naysayers, but it's a marathon, and it's not a sprint, and it's obviously going to take time to evolve. But I think they're doing a lot of things really, really good. Let me ask you this question. There is somebody that I've always wanted to get a chance to talk to just because I really respect what they've done as a performer and also just as a positive role model, and that's Dustin Rhodes. Let me ask you this. What has your relationship been with Dustin? Any really good conversations you've had with him? Because he just seems like he not only is a good dude, but when you see him out there on TV, the dude can still go. Oh, yeah. No, I've known, I've known Dustin for a long time, quite a few years. And uh, he's a great guy. And he's loving what he's doing. And I think it, it shows in his work. I think he's just as good now as ever. Do you think there's any added pressure when a father precedes, obviously, their children going into the business? Do you feel like there's, oh, wow, you're the son of Dusty Rhodes, and it, there's this certain level of expectation that's put on your shoulders? Do you, Have you ever noticed that talking from second generation or even third generation wrestlers, or do you think that they kind of are able to to set their own pace and set their own mark on their own? Or do you think, eh, sometimes it's still, it still lingers there? I couldn't tell you for sure. I mean, I imagine there is some pressure, but I think it's, it, it comes down to each individual person. I think some people probably do put a tremendous amount of pressure on themselves. And then others will probably say, well, you know, I'm someone completely different. I'm not going to be him. You know, like be my father or whatever. They just got to be themselves. Well, you got families like the Malinkos, the Hearts, the Guerreros, the Rhodes. Um, you have a lot of families that are many generations in the wrestling business. Do you think, I mean, I, and I don't know if you've had these conversations before, but do you think in some way there is any, wow, I'd really like my kids to get into the business? Or do you think that that's basically on their own type of deal? Like parents, that are in the business really wouldn't push children to want to get in or what's your take on that? Ugh. I think it depends on each, uh, like each parent's experience in the business. Cause maybe some have had a lot of bad experiences and they don't want their children to ever have a possibility of going through that. Or some may have had it great and want the same thing for their kids. And, you know, so it just, it comes down to each, individuals personal experiences 
let's say Annabelle decided that uh, she wanted to be a Charlotte Flair, obviously following the steps of a legendary father. What would you? What would your thought be, or would you? Uh, would you kind of quell your your thoughts and see how long this love affair lasts before something comes to fruition? I wouldn't encourage it because, well, I I, I wouldn't encourage it, but. If she just insisted and said she was going to go to someone else to get trained and whatever, you know, after she left home and stuff, I would just encourage her to go to college first, you know, and get a degree in something. So you have something to fall back on because nothing is uh, set in stone or nothing's promised that you're going to make it. It seems like a lot of the performers today actually do have that educational background behind them. We find out a lot of them were athletes in college, whether it be track and field, whether it be collegiate wrestling or whatnot. Do you feel like the sentiment nowadays, at least with this current generation, is, yeah, we're going to go to school, we're going to get something, and then we're going to go into wrestling? Or do you think it's straight from high school? Or do you find more people are getting in you know, mid to late 20s where they already have some of that background behind them? It's a variety. You know, some people, uh, you know, look at it at different ways than others. Others will look at it as, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who have started training when they're, you know, still what, 14, 15, even younger than that. And, you know, I, I tell people, I say, at least wait, you get through puberty and let your body grow up to be an adult before you start destroying it and tearing it apart. Well, somebody that we've seen recently on television is obviously Dominic, the son of Rey Mysterio. And, you know, he's been involved in multiple storylines. Obviously, we we all know the classic one that uh, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero in for the custody of Dominic. But do you think that, have you ever got a chance to meet Dominic? Yes, I have. Did it always seem like he wanted to kind of follow with his dad? Do you think it was always one of those things that he wanted to be? the next one in line, the Mysterio family? Because I'm always wondering, how far is this really going to go with him? Is he going to go all the way, or is it going to be just kind of a side thing to kind of move along the storylines with his father? Oh, I think it's something he always probably wanted to. There, You know, in Lucha Libre, there's so many families where it's gone on for generation and generation and generation. So it does become, you know, a family business instead of just, you know, Someone deciding, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get into it someday. But I think in a lot of luchadors, it just seems to just keep continuing from generation to generation. Another big story that uh, has been kind of circulating through the, the wrestling news is obviously the Storm Academy, run by Lance Storm for many years, uh, has closed its doors. And Lance is now a producer with WWE. Let me ask you a little bit about this. You know Lance pretty well, and you've worked with him over the years. What was your thoughts on, obviously, him becoming a trainer after he was done with his in-ring? Did you always look at Lance and, and look at him as, wow, he's just one of those guys who's a good leader and would be a really good dude to get trained from? Oh, definitely. He was one of the safest guys I've ever had to work with. If, if I could have worked with him more throughout the years, I'd still be wrestling. I wouldn't be so beat up and banged up. and. Because, he, you know, there's there's certain people you can go out there and you can just put your full trust in them and still come out of the match singing and dancing and not all beat up like you've been through a real war. 
Well, that's got to be tough too. You know, obviously you run your own training academy and then obviously you decide to move on to another venture and he's a producer now with WWE and we're really excited and happy for him. We had him on the show several months ago and can't wait to see the the big things that Lance is going to bring to the WWE product and also the tutelage that goes along with it. Let me ask you this question. Outside of just the physical training, as a producer, as a coach, as a trainer, I'm sure there's a lot more conversations just as far as building confidence up with people, giving them little words of encouragement. There's probably a lot of those that go on probably just as much as the physical aspect in the ring. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I try to be there for everyone to, if they have anything to talk about, you know, like you said, it could be, are they concerned about their position in the company or, you know. Various things. I'm there for them for anything. Well, speaking of being there for everybody and and obviously some people, um, the wrestling business can be very hard, as you know. And I've seen it just from the fans' perspective here. But obviously, being up and down the road can be tough. Night in and night out, a new town. Obviously, some people would like to be featured on TV a little bit more than others. And then it comes to the topic of wanting your release. So just from your experiences in the business, what exactly does that entail? And the reason I bring this up is because WWE just recently uh, granted the releases of Luke Harper, Sin Cara, and the tag team Ascension, and they were granted them. Now, we know Luke Harper obviously is was with the Wyatt family and has expressed his desire to be released. Have you ever requested your release before from a contract, Jerry? Yes, from uh, TNA. So when it comes to something like that, after you've signed a contract, how does that process go without obviously telling too much personal stuff? How does that go? Is it a sit down? Is it a, hey, this is how I feel? And how often are they willing to work with the performer and say, hey, you're not happy, we'll let you go? I I just think it depends on um, how's the company using you? How much do they have invested in you? Uh, how big of a star are you? You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that go into it. Now, for me, in my particular case, I wasn't one of their big stars, and they weren't using me. They I just heard every week, you know, uh, the the usual creative doesn't have anything for you. But at the same time, they were trying to get everyone to sign the, this new amendment to their contracts, where they couldn't work for any other indies that had. Uh, pay-per-view, TV, or DVD distribution, which is just about every independent. Now, you know, right. they, you know, they have the iPay-per-views or, you know, some have the local TV, and then everyone would distribute their DVDs or sell their DVDs. So in my case, it was, I'm not one of their stars. They weren't using me. And then they were trying to tell me I couldn't work for all the independents on the side. What? You trying to starve me and and make it so I can't take care of my wife and kids. So mine was pretty easy when I explained it to him that way. Because when I first asked, I got the why? Why do you want to be released? And when I explained it that way, they were fine with it. It's interesting because obviously we've heard stories, and I know you've probably known people who have asked for the release, and obviously they've said no. And I'm sure that that can also create a lot of frustration as well, especially with the Monday Night Wars. I know that 
they were very hesitant on allowing people to be released because they were always afraid of people jumping ship. But when it comes to obviously getting your release, you know, we often hear there's a 90 day no compete, especially within wrestling. Have you ever heard about the 90 day no compete? And after you get your release, does that depend on if it was written in your contract or is that kind of a general broad thing that is known or some releases you're free to go at that moment? I, it's probably, you know, up to them, you know, I think the 90 day no compete is a bunch of bull, especially if we're considered independent contractors, you know, why would you even need to put that in a contract then? But most contracts in this business, if you take it to a lawyer, they would tell you you're a fool to sign this thing. But what are you going to do? Either take it or leave it. If I owned a billion dollar company and I'm creating worldwide superstars, paying them good money, and they still want to leave, I'd have to take a step back and look at my company and go, what? what's wrong here? Right. I would want all my employees to be happy. Well, I often wonder if it's a situation of small pond, too many fish, and if creative doesn't have anything to use for you, but you don't want to let people go because of the fear of, wow, they've been seen on this show, they're going to be associated with this show, they have a worldwide exposure, and obviously somebody's going to be profiting off of their exposure as a performer, and it would boost their company up. But at the end of the day, if you're going to release somebody, I don't understand the point of the no compete. If you have nothing for them and you said, yes, you're free to go, you, you can't you can't do this. I mean, it, to me, it just seems unreasonable. Does that make well, sense? Yeah. Plus, if you're releasing someone, to me, it says you don't see any money in them anymore. So what's the problem with just letting them go and try and get work and make a living? Right. Unless you're just being petty and vindictive and you don't I don't I don't know that's the only reason I could think is you're trying to get even with them for something because they're not leaving on your terms but they're leaving on their terms because they're not happy and you just try got to try and make them even more miserable on the way out that's the only reason I could see well I've often heard situations like this especially when it was with Hulk Hogan obviously he left Vince on his terms and obviously that never leaves a good taste in a promoter's mouth when I think in a lot of ways they want to have some level of control, and if the control goes back to the performer, it it kind of leaves them a little bit sour. Now, I'm not saying that's the case in every situation, but I can see where that would be, where you left me and now I'm going to make life hard on you. I can see where that could happen. Yeah, but that's just being being, uh, juvenile and childlike. You know, It's ridiculous. Just be a grown man or be an adult about it and just do business up and up and go, okay, Hey, here you go. On your way. Good luck in the future. Now, obviously, Which you not- always hear that, you know, we wish them the best in their future endeavors. But on the way out, you're going to make them as miserable as possible. Sure. You're going to job them on TV. Obviously, you're going to kill their credibility as a performer, this or that. Or you're going to stick them in silly storylines where their stock is going to drop. And by the time that they're officially available to sign with somebody else, They've been so put down by a certain company that the interest in them has really waned. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's just petty. It's just getting even, you know, because if you're willing to let them go, that means you don't see any money in them anymore, really. 
Well, not to not give as much credit to Sin Cara or the Tag Team Ascension, but specifically speaking to Luke Harper, uh, WWE finally agreed to give Harper his request. Um, obviously, he was released today. Um, it was eight months after the former Wyatt family member expressed his desire to leave the company. Harper, 39, signed with WWE in 2012, and he worked his way through the developmental and then became part of the Wyatt family, making the main roster in 2013. Often viewed as one of the most underrated workers in the company, Harper held the WWE Intercontinental Championship and was a two-time SmackDown Tag Team Champion during his time. Uh, shortly after WrestleMania, when he came back from a torn bicep and he asked for his request back then, they did not grant it at that time. Now, it's currently still unclear if there is going to be a no-compete clause as part of his, elite, his release, but it would seem that there is uh, very good potential that he may line, align himself with a new company. And, you know, obviously right now, some of the thoughts are, would he land with an AEW or a Ring of Honor? Would he go to Japan? You know, would he go to an Impact Wrestling? Let me ask you this. When it comes to being a free agent and obviously being released, with so many companies out there right now, it really does give the leverage, and you mentioned this before, back to the performer, and it gives him, it can be starting a bidding war between the companies if you really want someone's services. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. And and he's a great worker. I've wrestled him when I was in Ring of Honor when he was Brody Lee. Yeah, I think I was always entertained by him. I think for a big dude, he could move around really well. He did have that scary, menacing backwoods look to him as well. Yes. I think he and Rowan were really great as a tag team. I'm not really sure what they have in store for Rowan, but I think this guy's going to do just fine. I think he's going to land on his feet, whoever he ends up signing with, and I think that's going to be a big coup for anyone who does end up signing him. So, oh yeah, he'll he'll do he'll be all right. He's a great hand. Best of luck to Jonathan Huber, and uh, we hope that he has wonderful wonderful matches with any company in the coming future. All right, so moving on here. Steve Austin said uh, that he has seen a lot of wrestlers regress as far as their ring work is concerned. Austin said that inexperienced professional wrestlers see bumping as a way to get noticed. But Steve says bumping without good reason is pointless. He says, when you're green, you think bumping is the ticket. I got to bump a lot because it's what's going to elicit a response or taking a bump is the ticket he says but it's not necessarily the case let me pause on some of his comments here let me ask you this do you find a lot of young up-and-coming wrestlers that you either have worked with or that you see nowadays that they want to bump a lot because they want to accentuate the fact they can do that or do you think even bumping in your opinion is something that a lot of people don't don't do as much anymore um I don't necessarily think it's bumping. I think it's their new fangled move, their new death-defying whatever move, where it's a dangerous bump. But when all these death-defying and spectacular moves are being kicked out of left and right, it doesn't mean anything. And then they're being used, a lot of them are being used as just transition moves. Or they do the move take the dangerous bump, and then the guy who gave it, instead of trying to pin the guy, stands up, looks at the crowd, and begs for a- approval. Like doing the Stuart from Mad-, Mad TV and going, look what I can do! And waiting <laughs> for the crowd to applause. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he's right. They're taking 
you know, such dangerous moves and not getting anything out of it, any mileage out of it whatsoever, not trying to make the crowd believe in any way that it 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 hurt them or it could potentially hurt them, which it really could. I mean, I, I cringe when I see some of the bumps the guys are taking. And then, you know, after taking, you know, who knows how many of these bumps in a match, then near the end of the match, guys are doing the fighting spirit thing, just trading back and forth, looking 100% like they're totally fine. So now, why should they keep the people care about their well-being and be emotionally vested in their match? And so you took them bumps for nothing because you're now all of a sudden you're 100% and perfectly fine. Yeah, it kind of kills the whole concept of being in a in a brutal match when all of that happens, and then, like you said before, towards the end of the match, everyone looks like they're they're uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed. When right. in reality, that that's not really what you're trying to say. It's supposed to be this whole rocky, you know, maybe staggering right. or being on one knee type of deal. Because yeah, you know, and and it not doesn't even just happen in the fighting spirit thing. It happens when it's okay. It's my turn to be on the offensive now. Now I'm a hundred percent. It's like, no, you can still be on the offensive and still sell and still give, you know, I don't know, and still get meaning out of all those bumps you just took instead of taking them for nothing and now you're 100%. Just because you're on the offensive doesn't mean you're 100%. You can still be selling and look like you've been beat down, which in all reality, when you're in a real, like, I did amateur wrestling, you know, you did three rounds. At the end of those three rounds, and it, it, what you weren't going doing a twenty-five minute match, you were exhausted at the end of that match. Do you feel, in some ways, and, and follow me down the rabbit hole here, but when maybe you know two guys are having a match, and obviously it's guy A and guy B, and now it's guy B's turn to go into the offense, he almost somehow is so excited to get his stuff in and to show what he can do. He may, oh, I forgot that I was supposed to. You know, he worked my leg or he did this to me and they just kind of go into this. It's time for me to do my thing. And they forget what has preceded that portion of the match. Does that make sense? Uh, it's not something you should forget, though. I mean, maybe it's just all in their training and they're not taught. And selling's not easy. There's different levels of selling. You have to consider, like I said, look at how long a real fight lasts. Not a real fight don't last more than a f- couple minutes at the most, unless, right. you know, unless someone gets cold cocked and knocked out right away. Is it, a real fight don't last long at all. But you have to consider when you're selling, you know, how far along in the match are you, and what's been done to you, and what body part has been worked on. There's a, so much that goes into selling, and that's what Brad Ringens told me the first day of camp. He says, you want to learn how to be a good worker or a good wrestler, learn how to sell. The other thing he he said, which I thought was really, really good was he says another big mistake that a lot of younger wrestlers make is they go too fast. And so along with bumping too much in his opinion and going too fast. So when he says go too fast, I've, I've seen a lot of different shoot interviews and documentaries where they say, if you think you're, you're going too slow, Bring it down down. halfway, slow it down even more. Do you think that that's something that is caused by nerves or do you think going too fast might be with a younger performer? Oh man, I was told I've only got X amount of minutes. I got to make sure I get everything done in said time. What do you think? All of the above, everything you said, it could be nerves. I mean, I've had, you know, a lot of 
I've wrestled a lot of younger guys in my career on the indies that I've never met before, and I've had to tell them right away, relax, slow down, take it easy. And so it's both, you know, it's nerves, and it is guys. You know, when you've only given six minutes on TV or or even a maybe even a, just an indie show, and the promoter says, yeah, I want you to go this far. There's so many guys, and I tell them, I've told so many, don't put 10 gallons of crap in a five-gallon bucket. And when you try to do too much and you're going too fast, for the fans watching, it's just like watching a long volley in tennis. All they're going to remember is the very last thing that happened. And, and you're not going to build any drama. It's just going to be a, like a race to the finish. And, and um, like I said, it'll be like watching a long volley in tennis. And you ha- and here's here's the bad part about it too is uh professional wrestling is live the fans are part of the show it's a give and take relationship and you want them involved in your match you know emotionally and vocally and you want them jumping up and down yelling and screaming and so to get them involved you have to pause and let them have their input otherwise if you don't they won't get involved in your match and you won't get the right crowd interaction that you want let's say i'm jerry lynn okay and i have the cradle pile driver i have all these moves and whatnot i have six minutes i'm going to be in a match with i don't know fill in the blank a young aj styles and we have six minutes Now, obviously, there's probably a lot of things that you would want to do in a perfect world, but the reality is if you're working with somebody who's very young, you yourself as the veteran may want to keep it a little bit more simple for the sake of just helping them along the way. Because if a young mind is flooded with, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this, like you said before, the nerves are going to kick in. Obviously, the inexperience could kick in. Do you think as a more as a veteran, you when you're working with someone younger, you'd want to keep it a little bit simpler, at least to help them out? Um, well, you just don't like I said, don't cram so much into a smaller amount of time. So you can take your time and have pauses where the fans can have their input into the match and they can get involved. And then you know, and then obviously with TV, there's different things too, uh, different situations where if you're running out of time, you always should have a plan B where you can have a quick way to get to the finish. And in case you have to eliminate, you know, two, three, four spots that you already still had planned. But sometimes you got to scratch them and just get right to the finish. So there's a lot of different things that you have to be prepared for. If and, you were going to. If you were going to go into a match, Jerry, and let's say it's going to be you and Lance Storm, okay, and you guys are going to go 20, you're you're given 20 minutes, in your mind before you talk to Lance, do you already have what you want to do in mind as far as I want to do X, Y, and Z, or do you talk to him and say, how do we want to do this, and then base it based upon how the conversation goes, or do you say, man, tonight I really want to do this, this, and this? Uh, Well, with Lance... We worked together so much that we could just go out there and call it all out there. All we, all you had planned was to finish and just call it all out there. And, you know, that's one thing. That's a better way of 
being able to work the crowd and get them more involved emotionally and vested and get them more involved vocally and instead of just having a whole match planned out then you know you can uh feel the crowd and know when to do what when you know and where do you also think sometimes younger performers they don't live in the moment if you will meaning kind of go with the audience's flow sometimes they they're so focused on not screwing up they're like god i gotta do this i gotta do that and they may ignore or maybe overlook slowing down and soaking it up and really giving the audience a little bit more of the experience if you exactly will. exactly yes because they're too concerned and too worried about thinking what the next thing is I think I knew at a very early age that I loved wrestling. And let me tell you why, because my sister and I, my, my sister was always looked at as the golden child. And I was always the the stepchild, you know, the redheaded mm-hmm. stepchild, the one always causing problems. I used to smack myself in the face so hard that it would cause a red mark. And then I would writhe on the ground and I would milk that for all it's worth. And then my parents, obviously I would, uh, I would, I would go over if you will, but uh, I learned You're- pretty I learned pretty quickly. So it's your sibling would get blamed for it? Absolutely. I would sell like you wouldn't believe. I actually one time kind of threw myself down three or four stairs and then landed on the landing in the basement and yelled out her name and then started groaning. Oh, yeah, it won. It worked. Wow. You remind me of the movie Fight Club. Hey, we don't talk about it. <laughs> and he's beating the crap out of himself. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of things like that before to myself. Oh, my God. Oh, whatever it takes, my friend. You are a lunatic. You have no idea. I want to party with you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's all the things that I have on my list of things to go over. Is there anything that you have uh, on your mind that you want to talk about? Any interesting anecdotes anything that you would like to share with everybody um no not really i mean you know what i i just i can't wait to get back on the road and this first week after surgery was really rough but um i can't i find myself i can't wait till wednesday night being at home to watch a show it's exciting isn't it it is and it does not feel like two hours no it just flies by and, and then it seems like forever for next Wednesday to get here. Yes. I did want to ask you this one question. The picture-in-picture picture aspect. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just my memory going blank over the years, but did we ever see – we never saw that in WCW. Obviously, we never saw that in ECW. Did did WWE do picture-in-picture? Picture? Because I don't remember them doing that. I, but I love – so you can pass this on to the powers that be. I'm a huge fan of the picture-in-picture. Picture. I think that's – phenomenal what about you oh yeah yeah i love it you know and and hopefully it's a great way to keep the people there and not change the channel because that's what it's all about but you know i love it too because uh you get you get to see the match continue you know and you don't wonder when they come back from commercial gee i wonder what happened or if they do come back from commercial they show you a a replay of what happened during the break and you're like man i wish i could have saw that live do you remember when Tony Schiavone, and I love Tony, Tony would say, you know, we got to go take a break. If the match ends, we will show you what happened. But the tape machines are rolling. I love that comment. Oh, to yeah. me, yeah. To me, that was just, oh, my God. I I loved it. 
the other thing I want to ask you, and I know I said that, that I didn't have a whole lot left here, but when it comes to the programs themselves, and I guess it depends on the network that you're on, but we've seen Raw go long, okay? Mm-hmm. We've seen Nitro, it would go over, especially during the NWO, and it would go five after, ten after. Is that based right. upon what the network agrees to? Yes. Okay, so if the network says, hey, technically show ends at 10 o'clock, but if you need to go a little bit over now, do you factor that into maybe if you're putting a match together or do you just base it upon, okay, I have to base it upon this? Or do you know going into it, we're going to have some wiggle room? I think you have to plan that ahead of time. I would think. I don't think that's something you can just do on the fly. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Front Row Material. Hopefully, Mikey Whipwreck will join us next week. Leave us a message. Always hit us up on social media. You can follow Jerry Lynn at It's Jerry Lynn. Follow Mikey Whipwreck at Mikey Whipwreck underscore and follow our show at FRM Podcast. Give the Halifax Matt a follow as well. He is a good, good dude. Loves talk wrestling as well. All right. I'm going to shut up now. That's going to do it. We will catch you next week on Front Row Material. Bye. The world of NLW.